Hi, I'm Andy Simon. I'm your host and your guide for On the Brink with Andy Simon. Remember, my job is to help you see, feel, and think in new ways so you can change and get off the brink and soar. And so I go looking for people who I think can help you see things through that fresh lens. Because what matters in today's fast-changing world is that you have enough information to begin to see what's going on beyond your own industry, the things that you're close to, the ideas that you're familiar with. It's a time of such fast-moving change that we don't quite know what to do to change. And so I have with me today a wonderful woman who I've met through the Women's Business Collaborative. And Johanna Zalestri, we call her Yose, um, has a, a, a wonderful story to tell you about herself, but also about this new program that she has called Gender Fair, which is extremely important for you to know. But some of the other things that she's done uh, in terms of giving for corporations, but just her whole purpose and philosophy are really shareable. And I'd like to do that really well today. So let me tell you a little bit about Yose. She's an established business strategist and an accomplished leader for both startups and global companies. Over the past 20 years, she's worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers and J.P. Morgan Chase, and with over a dozen clients of all kinds from Disney and Lucent, Bank of America. I mean, her history is really interesting, and I'm anxious for her to tell you about it. Um, her career has led her to work in Canada and China, Indonesia, France, and the Netherlands, and she's from the Netherlands. Um, she acts as a coach to senior executives and boards and top teams and has a passion for supporting and advancing professional women that I share with her. You know, our purpose is to help women become the best they can be. And I have a hunch she knows the same feelings I do when I coach a woman who's reached a certain level and is mm, stuck or stalled, bored, isn't quite feeling like this is all there is. So there's something interesting going on for women in particular. She currently runs something called Gender Fair, a wonderful, wonderful platform that uses data analytics to determine an organization's progress toward gender equality and diversity. And this is important because we talk about it, but what is it and how far have we gone? And just because we preach it, are we actually doing it? Before this, she co-founded GiveBack, an innovative platform that makes it easy for companies to build authentic and impactful cause marketing, workplace giving, and other social responsibility initiatives. And Give Back was launched on the Oprah Winfrey Show in 2011. I hope she tells us a little bit about what that was like. And was subsequently acquired by one of the nation's largest benefits administrators. I think you're going to enjoy every minute of today's podcast, as I am, because I, I've spoken to Yose for Cadillac Conversations for the WBC. Um, she's a vice chair, as I am. And she is also very involved in the chair committee and in the, um, the leadership committee. So you'll say thank you for being with me. Thank you for having me, Andy. So now that I've read your resume, tell us really who is Yose? What is your journey like? And how have we gotten to where we are? Because clearly you have purpose and passion and it's turning into great things for other people as well. Help us. Well, you, you covered a lot of my professional life, uh, my career, and, and, and really, you know, what's behind that is, is you know, I, I kind of fell into my career. I was born in the Netherlands, as you mentioned, and immigrated to Canada when I was a teen and was educated there and um, really thought, you know, after, after my MBA, I thought, I, you know, there's only one place I really wanted to go. And that was one visit, uh, one summer, and that was New York City. And uh, I was so fortunate to start working there, you know, early on in my career. But as soon as I landed in New York with Price Waterhouse, as you mentioned, 
they they uh, they sent me to China for two years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and as much as I, I wanted to stay in New York, I thought, you know what, this is a great opportunity. I wanted to experience a different culture, a different language, different people, and um, and it was it was a really good opportunity just to to lead you know a team there in China and uh, and do some really interesting work. And so I spent a couple of years uh, in China and Indonesia before coming back to the States. Uh, and uh, you know, continued my career, uh, leading bigger and bigger projects. Uh, very, some were more interesting than others and more interesting uh, industries. I really enjoyed um, you know, working in the airline industry uh, more so than financial services. But, um, but it was, it was uh, you know, every, every year you kind of progress on the career ladder. And um, with you know, with uh, with an increase in pay, and and before too long, you know, after five six years, they were you know uh, partner. They they had me on the partner track, so I got to meet more partners and do more networking and um, and and showcase some of the work that I'd done. And then it was around the eight year mark when I got um, a call from a headhunter. And said, you know, we've got this great opportunity. We'd love for you to to interview for. And so I I did. I thought, you know what? I was kind of at the point where I had been traveling, you know, eighty percent of the time. And at the time, you know, I wanted to be in New York City. I didn't want to be in, you know, in Atlanta or North Carolina or any of these other places. So I thought, you know what? It's time to just see what else is out there. And uh, and sure enough, after many interviews, I got the job offer. And it was to, uh, you know, again, in strategy, but also helping executives uh, implement their strategy through change management, executive uh, coaching and leadership development. And when I got this offer, I nearly fell off my chair because it was three times the salary I was making. (laughs) And I didn't have to travel only 20% of the time. And I was like, Three times. I cannot believe someone thinks I'm worth this much, right? I really, really was astounded. This is, you know, uh, you know, but and then 2000, I think. And then so I went to my boss um, and I said, listen, I got this opportunity. I, I hate to turn it down. You know, this is amazing. And he looks at it and he says, oh, we can match that. Oh, and I remember thinking, what oh. do you mean you can match that? This is three times of what you've been paying me. And here you, you know, you've been promoting me and you're putting me on partner track. And now you're saying I could actually, you could easily make this happen for me here. And then I thought, you know what, it's kind of shame on me because I really didn't know my value. And two, I thought, you know what, if, if companies really care about their employees, um, you know, they, they should really pay them well. Uh, And I was a little bit ignorant and naive, you know, to think that that, that was actually the case. So, you know, I took the, I took the new job and, um, Loved working in financial services. Although, again, you know, when you start progressing in the career, you see fewer and fewer women. So, you know, part of my job was to really, um, you know, get more diversity, you know, into the senior ranks. But it was extremely slow moving. And what was frustrating is that uh, there were so many, you know, training programs and leadership development for for women but you just didn't see the needle move. And, and I, I kept thinking like, what were they, you know, they're working harder. They're, they're training, they're, you know, they're getting um, mentoring. What is the problem here? And they're performing. And, and I thought, you know, there's gotta be something more. There's, there's not, 
I think enough pressure to really get more women at the time, you know, into the senior leadership roles. So, um, you know, when I did leave, um, I did, you know, want to want to try something new. And I had this opportunity to work with Oprah. And I thought, well, this is going to be exciting, you know, and um, because I've watched her over the years. And of course, I think she's just a a big proponent for women and girls, especially women and girls of color. And I thought, you know, I'm going to help do something, you know, um, you know, to give back and to do, you know, to, to build an authentic uh, workplace giving program. So that's what I did in five years. And, and, uh, and that was very, very exciting to be on a show and to get now, to did Oprah recruit you or did you have the concept? I'm curious about the aha. I mean, I, I we both had interesting careers. I mean, I made it the EVP of a bank. It was a very glass ceiling place. I rubbed my head against the top. Um, and then I looked for things that were more fun. It sounds like you found more fun. It was more fun. I was at a time, I think we had just announced um, another merger. So instead of um, doing just your job, you were adding another job. And I was pregnant with my second son. It was really at a time also in my life where I was getting a little burnt out and I wasn't having fun anymore. Yes, I just wasn't enjoying my day-to-day life. And it was really the commute and everything else. And I thought, so um, I had a connection there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, of, of someone who, who knew her well and said, you know, this is something that we want to build with her. And I just thought, well, you know what, this is, this is great. It, it, you know, it gets my feet wet in the entrepreneurial space. Um, I don't have to worry about funding necessarily, you know, or the marketing budget. I think um, aligning with her and, and, you know, I can always go back to corporate America um, but, um, you know, once you get out there and get the bug and have, you know, more freedom and flexibility, you know, I just looked for after, the, after doing give back, look for other opportunities to, um, in line with my passion and my lifestyle. It's always interesting to me because I too had a career, um, first as an academic for a decade. And then once I got tenure, I said, I'm going to do this forever. And I got it. I actually met city bankers who said, come and help me change. So I went as a consultant by chance, and then I made a career for a while. Um, and when I went into my own business, I said, that was really good training and perspective. And I really understand it, but I really want to do it. <laughs> and it's different. And when you become an entrepreneur, it's hard, but it's easy. I mean, there's something very invigorating. And I never mind seven-day week works. And then I take vacations. But it's on my terms, and it's with purpose. And it sounds like that's what you found. So when you sold it, I'm assuming the next stage in your life um, was something. Did, 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 did this whole gender fair come out of an idea? Because I love what you're doing with it. So needed. Um, but what exactly, how did this all develop? A few years after we sold uh, Give Back, where I got into gender fair. So I started working and doing executive coaching uh-huh. with women. In the because I wanted to keep my feet like you in the in the in the corporate world. So I had a number of clients and and one of them, you know, was working for you know an, a large Fortune 500 company. And and during this coaching period, she was so excited to tell me that um, you know, she got this new role, this big promotion. And so we talked about it, and she said she went from a regional director to a global director. Her, you know, her staff increased, of course, travel, uh, budget, everything increased, but she wasn't as excited as I thought she would be. So, you know, I, I was kind of saying, well, what, what's wrong? Like, I know this is what you wanted. She goes, it is what I wanted. I'm thrilled to be in this new role, but my pay never changed. 
So again, you know, I thought to myself, well, what is it? You know, what, you know, you give, you finally, you know, promoting women, they, you know, you give them the leadership opportunity, but you're, then it's not being followed or, you know, or, or matched the pay that really requires. And I, I remember thinking there's got to be something that is, you know, holding these companies back or women are not asking, you know, for, for the check. So, you know, I, I, I continued to do coaching and, um, and then because of the, the work I was doing with Oprah, I got to learn a lot about issues affecting women in this country. So I started a nonprofit called the Women's Debate, which was looking at all the issues. What are all the issues women face that men don't face? Yes. And it had to do everything from, you know, economic opportunities, uh, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, pay or position, power, all the things we talk about, WBC, and also healthcare. You know, yes. of course, there's unique healthcare issues that women have that men don't have. And, and lastly is violence against women. And that's just not, you know, it's, it's in the home, it's on campus, it's in sexual harassment in the corporation, it's online. You know, these are the things that, um, you know, that are uniquely, you know, affect women. So I thought to myself, you know what, presidential debates are coming up. Why not have a debate just on issues affecting women? You know, we are more than half the population. We tend to vote more than men. Why not, um, you know, have these candidates either debate, have a town hall, or answer some of these questions? Because we curated questions across the country. What, what uh, you know, what kind of questions they would give the moderators? And we gave it to the moderators. Um, and, you know, one side wanted to do this, the other side didn't. So we, we, you know, we didn't get to where we wanted to. But it's still something that gave me a real insight into not just, you know, my perspective or worldview, because that's, you know, different from a lot of other women, you know, it's not like we have just, you know, um, we come from the same, you know, uh, viewpoint, right? So we, and I learned what, you know, even though in my corporate career, I had great maternity benefits, well, that does, did not translate and save company for my executive assistant, right? I had four months and she had two weeks, you know, so it's not like we're all, you know, in, in the same, um, you know, have the same, same issues. So, um, so that gave me the idea of, you know what, if it's not, if leadership training in the company is not working, if, you know, women are not getting paid what they deserve, if all these issues around sexual harassment and you know other issue you know other economic opportunities are not being you know uh, fairly you know provided to you know or are they still issues in the workplace? Why not look at this from a consumer perspective because women still own that power, right? Yes, women still make eighty-five percent of the purchasing decisions, and if we can't do it inside the company then perhaps we can do it from, from our, our consumer buying behavior. So that's where um, gender fair, you know, is one way that we can provide the market pressures for companies when they will say, oh, we actually have to address this um, because diversity, inclusion, and, um, you know, and gender issues have been more like vitamins to companies. It's a nice thing to do, but it's not something that is a top priority for them, even if they, they say that. Um, so, but I think if, if, if they see a shift in demand for products that are not gender fair towards products that are gender fair, then perhaps that's a wake up call saying, you know what, we better do something about this 
you know, quicker because our competitors are, you know, are, are, are taking, you know, some of the uh, market share away from us. Um, so I, as I'm listening to you, three things go through my head um, and I don't want to jump over them. First, I want you to explain to the audience that's listening or watching, you know, what does gender fair actually do? And what does it enable a consumer to know so they can buy more gender wisely? I mean, that's a, a branding movement that gives people uh, real tools and power if they know about it and they can use it. Um, so, you know, what is it and how do you do it? And the second question that lingers for me is why are women so abused? Um, and you can take them in either order because I have yet to figure out why. Um, uh, we're so vital and vibrant, and yet it's easy for them to give your assistant two weeks and you four weeks and think that's perfectly fun. And and I, I've actually listened recently to guys, CEOs of mid-market companies talking about how hard it was to do diversity. First, we have to recruit them, and then they don't stay. And it was all their fault. <laughs> and as I listened, I went, Oh, we're not moving the needle at all. It's their fault. Um, and I even heard the head of HubSpot say, well, you know, we founded the company with 10 guys or 10 white guys came out of MIT. And every time we tried to recruit people who didn't match us, they didn't feel comfortable and didn't want to stay. Duh. And it was sort of their fault. It's all so interesting. But first, gender fear. Let's tell everybody about what it is and how to use it. So as we build the listeners, they can say, ah, I want to buy from gender fair companies. I think that's a promise. Am I right? Yes. So gender fair was founded by um, a woman who was an investigative journalist. And she noticed that a lot of the publicly traded companies like the Fortune 500, we're signing up to what's called the UN Women's Empowerment Principles. And we see a lot of that happening even today where companies make commitments or pledges or sign up to this and sign up to that. So, so it was interesting to her saying, oh, well, these companies really you know, signed up. They made that public commitment. Now, who's tracking them? And what are the metrics? Because these, these were just principles. Like, you know, ha, you know we, we need better balance in our leadership teams. We need to, you know, um, pay women equitably, give them a safe work environment. Well, so how do you actually measure that? So she and created um, a team of experts in this in the gender space to come up with um, these 18 metrics. And uh, there's five pillars. There's uh, leadership. So we look at leadership numbers on the board as well as um, in the executive and senior management and women of color, uh, as well as, as, as women in general. We look at um, uh, leadership development like sponsorship and mentoring. We look at employee policies. So one of the things that came out of a recent survey is that women care and men too, care about fair work working benefits. They care that, uh, uh, you know, there's that there's no sexual harassment. Um, they care about equal pay. They care about paid maternity and paternity leave. And they care about flexibility um, in a, you know, and, and, and any kind of health and wellness, which has become much more important in the last year or so. So these, the, you know, people care about this. And then the third um, pillar is advertising. Are the images that you project, whether it's on ads, whether it's on your website and any communication, are they inclusive? Are they, you know, one of the, the, the conversations I had recently with General Motors and I said, you know, I'm so appreciative because I remember 
the days when women were on top of cars, not driving cars, right? In their commercials. <laughs> <laughs> okay. that, that was so typical in back baby, then. bathing suits. Exactly, right? So, so they, there's a lot of, you know, improvement that's been made. You know, look at General Motors and where they are. You know, they have, you know, they've done their pay equity analysis and they, you know, they, they publicize all their work Force. They have great female leaders, including the CEO. So they've made so many improvements, and on the advertising, obviously as well. And then the uh, the next pillar is diversity reporting. And one of the things that we felt, especially in the last year, that it's really important for companies to not only track, but also to report and publicly disclose their workforce numbers and their their composition. So you know, what is the percentage of women? But also intersectional data, you know, um, you know, what is the percentage of, of, of people of color, uh, age, uh, maybe disability. So, you know, and, and you, you're going to see this more and more. And this is what we talked about last week, even that very few companies actually disclose that publicly. Yes. You know, they do track it. They have to report some of this to the EEOC, but they don't there. There's a lot of fear in terms of that out there in the public. Yes. Uh, whereas other companies are doing it. You know, we see that from IBM to Walmart and Walmart has made significant strides the last five years. And even if their numbers aren't stellar, you know, when it comes to diversity, just to put it out there, I think people appreciate, employees appreciate it, um, consumers, investors, you know, people appreciate it. And I think there's gonna be more and more pressure for companies to do that. Maybe it's not going to be mandated. None of this is ever mandated, but I think peer pressure, you know, and and pressure from consumers, employees, and investors will, you know, will get more more and more companies to do that. And I think it's um, it's, it's it's creating more authenticity as well. And even if, like I said, if the numbers aren't good, but you said we're trying, and this is where we are, you can engage, you know, your stakeholders to participate and help, you know, do better. So I think it's 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 uh, it's something that we look for. We give points and credit for companies that that uh, disclose. And the last area we look at is corporate, um, you know, social responsibility or social impact. Do they invest in, um, you know, women-owned businesses? Um, you know, how good is their supply chain and things like that? So that you know, do they provide training? You know, STEM education. You know, what are they doing to advance in their communities uh, of women and girls? So mm-hmm. we add up, you know, the, the, you know, the scores, it's a hundred point scale. And if you're 70 or higher, you're gender fair. And since we're mostly consumer facing uh, platform, we put this on an app so that consumers can just scan a logo, whether it's a hotel logo or air line logo or logo of a shoe company or a cereal or soap. And it'll tell you, you know, of 2,500 brands, which is all the you know publicly traded brands, uh, if it's gender fair and give you the exact score along these lines, these five pillars. And um, if it's not gender fair, it automatically refers you to a gender fair brand in the same category. Ah. So really... You know, consumers have no excuse anymore. Uh, you know, obviously, we don't have private labels yet. We're working on a private tool right now, so that private labels can um, can get onto the app if they're gender fair. But right now, it's it's you know all the um, publicly traded companies that are consumer facing. And now, a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. 
That's us. And we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled, or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey, Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled, and a little anthropology helped them see things through a fresh lens, reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls and become the best that they could be. They heard things like women aren't lawyers and women can't lead and women aren't in geosciences. And they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back, and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at andysimon.com and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books. And you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now back to our podcast. You know, two things come through being an anthropologist. You're concretizing an abstraction and its value. And I do think that in our society, I have a friend who's working on sustainability indicators at the UN. And, and to your point, unless you can concretize, not just we believe in it, but we're actually doing it in a fashion that's meaningful, it's an abstraction. You know, it's symbolic, but not necessarily actionable or easily actionable. And then the other part from the work that we do is people don't know how to do it. And, and they don't really understand the nuances of it. They don't understand uh, how to change a culture so that it's living it, not just preaching it. And, and having been an executive in banks with mostly men, um, the conversations are all amongst them while you sit and watch. I mean, it is an interesting place to be diverse, inclusive. What does that mean? And how does it actually feel? And why is that important? So you're on the brink. The podcast is on the brink because we're on the brink of something transformational, but not necessarily easy to achieve. Um, one of the women who spoke and is a member of WBC, Jamie Candy, she's the uh, CEO of Momentum, a company in Minneapolis, and I know her quite well. She's a chapter in my book. And, and Jamie realized after the George Floyd incident that she had not focused on the kind of diversity, inclusion, equity that was important. And she's in the education field. And I did a panel with her two months ago, and she said, look at what we've done. We have 600 employees, and we have gone full court press to make sure that we are actually living what, we, what we're preaching and how that changes everything, the conversations, what men think of women, how women respond to men, how people of color interact in different ways, um, and what kind of folks can thrive in this and what kind cannot. And it, it's down to culture. And humans are these uh, symbolic sensing creatures who want to be in a place that's safe for them with others that affinity bias takes over. It is not what you're doing is a start of a major transformation, a little like WBC is, that's well beyond any one thing. 
but as a multiplier. So it's it's really cool. Do you have any thoughts about why this is so hard? Why diversity is hard? Why living it? I mean, you think about what you just said, gender fair. I mean, if we could be more fair to gender, we could really raise our consumer quotient and be a better purposeful, as Joey Ryman said, company. Is this that hard? And I have my own point of view, having worked with companies, coached people, lived it. Um, it's why are women sort of on the bottom here, no matter how hard we teach them, train them, stem them or anything else. And getting through is just a long haul. Thoughts. Maybe you can give us some insights that we can all do. Well, it's hard for companies because um, well, what's, there's two things. What's not hard for companies is to put women on the board, to expand the board and put you know, a woman, a woman of color or person of color on the board. That's not hard. The other thing that's not hard is to um, to change your website, your face. You know, like yes. we saw after George Floyd, all of a sudden the websites went from all white to very diverse websites. Yes. That's not hard. What's not hard is the advertising, is to put a great empowering ad out there. You see yeah. it, you know, in you know, in, in, in every football game or, you know, like you just, <laughs> the ads, that's not easy. What's also not hard is to donate money yes. to causes that affect, you know, people of color, women. Those are the easy, those are the easy, easy things. And all companies do. What's not hard is to make a statement. Yes. What is hard is to really go in and mentor women, develop women, promote women, and put them in those leadership roles. And that's going to take time and and. That's where companies are, you know, struggle with and, um, you know, because that's where the rubber hits the road and where it's really becomes hard. I remember when I was in the bank, <clears throat> I was an executive, I go to a board meeting, 49 men, a nun and me. <clears throat> and I was going to put that line in my book and the proofreader said, that sounds like a joke. I said, no, it was real. She said, well, we can't put that in. I said, okay, don't put it in. It's okay, but it's real. And, and I didn't say a whole lot at those meetings. I appeared. And what worries me is about putting on an expanded board, a woman, a woman of color, is can they hear them? Do they know what to say and how to engage? Do they engage them? Do they even know why they're there? Other than to be a token? <clears throat> and that's not going to do what's intended, which is to change the conversation and the organization. Tough. Or it's the same woman, women, few women that join many boards. So it's not like you're expanding the number of women joining boards. You see kind of the same rock star women, you know, but you're not increasing necessarily the number of women joining boards. You're more, you know, they're just increasing the number of boards that they sit on, right? <laughs> so, so this is an on the break time. Um, and I do think Women's Business Collaborative has been a, a real catalyst for trying to move that needle, but also to make it legitimate for us to talk about this and, and to build um, better gender fairness in a way that people can actually uh, embrace it. You know, you're giving consumers a methodology for saying that doesn't work. No, thank you. And we need to do things differently. Um, I often think that humans, though, are like rubber bands. If you let go, it'll go right back to the habits of yesterday. 
I've watched it in too many companies. You know, I specialize in helping organizations change. First, they don't want to, then they have to, and they hate you along the way. And then when they finally get there, they forget the process of getting there. Um, but they would just soon go back to never having. The mind doesn't want to change. So, um, which takes us always to early education and how do we get boys and girls to talk to each other when they're kids, play together, do things differently, right? So, right. I hope gender fair becomes the next, you know, the fair trade for women or the, the organic where women see that and say, you know what, I'm only going to show up organic because it's, I want to, you know, I want that's in line with my lifestyle or I'm only going to show up fair trade because I really care about the supply chain. Yeah. So it's in the same way, you know, we have to look at, you know, gender fair as a, you know, as a, another filter for us. And I think the young people Yes. are more inclined to do so um, and, and uh, you know, and, and, and put a stake in the ground. I do too. And, and they're going to actually create a whole new sandbox. It's not even thinking out of the box. It's a new box in which we are happily living if we can only see things through a fresh lens. This has been such fun. Two or three things you want our listeners to remember other than to check Gender Fair when they go shopping? Absolutely. Download the app and, and check Gender Fair. And, um, you know, and then, you know, if, if your brand is not on there, your favorite brands, please let us know and we'll do our best to assess uh, against the gender fair standard and, um, you know, keep doing what you were doing. I think it's important for everyone to support, um, you know, women, women of color, people of color to, um, you know, do what we can to, to, you know, get them, you know, uh, a leg up because, you know, for too long, we, we you know, there was always um, the discrimination that happened inside a company and we all have to have a voice and we all have to help each other, yes. you know, get to uh, to where we need to be. So um, it's interesting. It's it's great. Uh, um, before I finish my thoughts, um, where can they reach you if they'd like to know more about this or participate in some fashion? Your contact stuff, we'll put it up on our blog. But where where should I get you? Well, my email is j.zelstra, uh, Z-E-I-L-S-T-R-A, at genderfair.com. Uh, so please um, email me and um, I'm, I will be very responsive to any your appreciate uh, the audience. Yeah, it is fun, isn't it? It's fun to share, particularly like this. I feel like we're doing television again. We can't see our audience, but we know they're there. And and they, they can't applaud yet, but I know they do. And they send me lots of emails. Um, but it's an interesting time. I use the metaphor often when I work with organizations to change them. And this is often a topic. It's like a play. You've all been playing Macbeth and you know it really well. You know where to stand on stage. You know how to talk to each other. You know what roles you should be playing as men and women. And tomorrow, we're not going to play that anymore. But you haven't written the script. You have no idea how to rehearse it. You can't stand on stage. Nobody knows how to direct you and there's no applause. And yet we want you to perform differently and be more gender fair. And that's not easy, but we do it all the time when we put Robert Redford in different roles and so can you. So this isn't that hard. You just have to do it. And then once you start and go, I can do this. And next thing you know, you get the applause and <laughs> it's fun. So it's been just fun talking to you. Thank you so much for today. Thank you so much. Let me wrap up with our listeners. Thank you for coming. It's been a pleasure. And as you know, I'd love to hear from you. Info at andysimon.com. Remember my new book, Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business is there for you in many flavors. And we'd love you to send us your comments and your, your thoughts important about how can you rethink the place of women, smash those myths, 
At Gender Fair, we're all together trying to multiply this in so many different ways because more of the same is not going to work. And, um, and we all want to build a better society in which we can smash those old myths and find new ones. So it's been such fun. Thank you, USA. It's been terrific. Let me say goodbye to everybody and come again often. Bye.